Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. This is the 14th episode of my monthly feature, Our Voices, giving you an inside look into my guest's journey and a chance to hear an experience of life that may be very different than what you might expect. We'll discuss ways to accelerate social change that levels the playing field and helps everyone live to their full potential. I encourage you to listen with curiosity and without judgment to this account of what it means to grow up, go to school, struggle, work, and live in our world. I hope you'll see a bit of yourself in their journey and embrace we're more similar than not. This particular show honors the inspiration of our youths, not intended to leave baby boomer and even millennial generations feeling inadequate. Five years ago, I had the privilege of being invited to mentor this bright light, which I thought both humbling and hilarious. My guest today will leave you full of hope for a better world. A decade ago, at the ripe old age of 16, he founded Pledges for Change, a nonprofit with a mission to mobilize youth across Canada to volunteer. From volunteer fairs to multi-day hackathons, the organization has reached over 10,000 youths, collaborating with over 100 community partners. Before finishing high school, he'd been named one of Canada's 20 under 20, a global teen changemaker, a global citizen youth advocate, and one of Canada's delegates to the G20 Young Entrepreneurs Alliance Summit in 2017. Without doubt, he is passionate about scaling solutions to the world's greatest challenges. A recent graduate of the Ivy Business School, Western University, he was one of a few out of over 5,000 incoming students awarded $90,000 in scholarships for academic achievement, demonstrated community leadership, and commitment to community service. Now at McKinsey & Company in Toronto as a business analyst, he's covering primarily technology, media, and entertainment, and the public social sector, and helping clients in the areas of strategies, transformation, and sustainability. Meet my friend and rock star young leader who knows no limits, Brennan Wong. Brennan, welcome to Our Voices. Thank you so much for having me, Molly. This is a total treat for me, and listeners must know that Brennan is absolutely like family to me. I am joyous to host my first, I guess, official Gen Z on Our Voices, and I want to thank you for all that I have learned from you, my friend, over the past five years. We know you've already achieved um, a lot, and it didn't miraculously fall out of the air, so um, I'll leave it to you. Please talk listeners through your journey to date. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, um, it's awesome to have these opportunities to, to just reflect uh, on where I've been and, and where, where I am now. Um, honestly, I think everything started probably way back when I was eight years old, um, starting at a new school. And I had the opportunity to get involved in my first ever volunteering experience, which was actually hosting a bake sale at my school for a local charity. Uh, I, I talked about this experience a lot because of just how pivotal it was in terms of opening my eyes to how I could be more than just one person and how I could impact other people just like myself, whether it was in my community or even globally. Uh, 
and over the years, getting more and more involved, uh, just more excited about my potential and what I could do and, and how I could hopefully rally others like myself to, to get involved and take action. Um, I ended up starting an organization that, as you mentioned, called Pledges for Change back when I was in, in high school, 16 years old, thinking about, well, given we've got this finite amount of time in our lives, how could I maybe create new opportunities or, or design new opportunities to volunteer for young people that were meaningful, that were exciting, that were inspiring? Uh, and so throughout high school, throughout my undergrad, uh, that was my passion, my, my inspiration for everything. And, and just being able to launch different initiatives to events, meeting young people just like myself who, who have taught me many things along the way. Um, being able to start an organization at a young age was just an amazing opportunity, not just to continue pursuing my passion, but think a little bit more broadly about my overall interest and trajectory in terms of what I wanted to achieve way down the road. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that inspired me in terms of what I wanted to pursue in undergrad, which was uh, finding an opportunity to be in a program where I could study, um, where I could study in terms of what was a career path that could combine my interest in social impact um, with, with academics. And to me, that was the health sciences program at Western. And over time, like ended up deciding, you know, I, like this was a super interesting program. I wanted to learn how I could go even broader and scale in terms of, of impact. Uh, and so that led me to, to go into business school at Ivy and ultimately where I am now at McKinsey uh, and being able to serve different clients on pretty, pretty tough problems. And so in a way, it was a little bit of a windy trajectory, uh, but the commonality through every single experience that I've had has always been about how can I create impact? How can I try and be a part of solving really, really tough problems? And ultimately, how could I make a difference in the world? Uh, and that's been my inspiration all through throughout my experiences and what continues to push me in terms of what I do now. Uh, you know, it's just so great. You know, I, 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 you know how big of a fan I am of yours. You know, when you're a young person and it just strikes me as wide eyed, you know, doesn't know, no. And you're out there. Um, do you remember at a young age, the reality check of, wait a second, not every kid is like me or feeling like anything couldn't be done, Brennan, or was it just like, it's always possible? I'm just really curious what your mindset as a, as a kid really was. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think I've had my fair share of experiences where I was told things weren't possible um, or that I should wait until I was a little bit older, sort of had my priorities set in terms of what I needed to spend more time on. And I think that's a conversation that a lot of young people like myself had at the time and probably continue to have now. Uh, and so definitely my experience is probably not different from too many others in terms of the challenges that come across, that might come our way when we talk about trying to make a difference in the world. And I think for me, like it was always about coming back to this inspiration around what I want to do, why I want to do it. And I think for me, it was always around 
how could it be part of something where addressing pretty big challenges was at the core? Uh, and so even despite all these different conversations, I was always thinking a little bit more broadly about how could I be a part of something bigger? And I think that's what carried me through in terms of these tough conversations that I would have, even with my parents sometimes about, should I probably be spending a little bit more time on schoolwork? Um, but yeah, that was ultimately how I was able to navigate some of those conversations. That's incredible. So what was your parent? I mean, I, I kind of thinking they'd be very supportive, but I am really wondering was, were they like, wow, we have this pretty unique kid here or were all your friends like you? Uh, talk a little bit about your parents' influence. Yeah, I, I think my parents always instilled in me this sense of community service and, and being a big part of the broader community. Uh, and so even through all the different challenges of, of academics and social life and, and all the other things uh, growing up as a kid, uh, my parents were always super supportive in terms of how could I pursue this idea of social impact to the end of the world, essentially. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I think even from creating opportunities for myself and my sister to be able to pursue experiences to volunteer um, internationally. Uh, when I wanted to start this organization, my parents were super supportive of helping us register more formally as a not-for-profit. Um, I think at the end of the day, it was always about my parents just playing that really, really supportive role that was just incredibly helpful in terms of helping me pursue those passions that I had. Yeah, I give them ton of credit. I look forward to meeting them someday. Did they um, grow up in Canada? Just give us a little bit of the the Wong family history. Yeah, um, so both my parents were were born and raised in Hong Kong, and my dad actually came to Canada um, in grade thirteen. So pretty much when he was he was fairly young, and my mother also came to Canada in in undergrad. Um, so they've been in Canada for for a long time now. Um, but yeah, that, that was their, their journey. And then would do, were you raised speaking Cantonese? Talk a little bit about how, um, and did you have a pretty ethnically diverse, uh, community that you were a part of? Yeah. Um, I think my parents in a way, um, were fairly integrated in, in terms of, Yes, we spoke Cantonese at home, and, and it's sort of kept me connected um, to my Chinese heritage. Uh, but also, uh, we were fairly connected in the community and, and had opportunities to be able to, to sort of branch out outside of home, too. Uh, so I think it was quite balanced in terms of my upbringing, uh, from being able to stay connected with family who still lived in Hong Kong, with culture and traditions, um, but also just being able to explore and, and, and sort of be a part of, of uh, or at least like get more plugged into to my Canadian background as well. Now, as I understand, you have, do you have Australian citizenship as well? I do. Yes. So has, how does that happen? Because I was, I didn't know that about you when I was reading your bio. I was like, oh, that's because I know your, your sister, I think is over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
we, my sister and I both have citizenship by descent because uh, my mom is actually an Australian citizen. Uh, so we are both connected in that way and we still have family who live in Australia. Uh, and so sometimes I, I brave the 20 hour flight uh, to Australia to visit family and, and, and sort of um, embrace and immerse myself in that Australian part of my, of my background as well. That's so phenomenal. I love that. Do you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering when, how do you identify? Like what's your, um, your sense of self or it's all of you. I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering in your own mind. Yeah. I, I think like all these different backgrounds, um, experiences that I've had, um, all of them sort of combine in a balanced way to create the identity that I, that I sort of feel or find myself in. Uh, it's sort of this balance of, of Chinese and Canadian um, being able to uh, just be excited and, and, and find ways to, to embrace that part uh, of my history in terms of my family coming from Hong Kong or, or my parents coming from Hong Kong, but also the experiences that I've had growing up in Canada uh, and just uh, finding ways to reflect that in my own identity. So if I was to think about um, how I de- identify myself, definitely um, Chinese Canadian for sure. Yeah. And did you have a lot of Chinese Asian um, kids in school? Was it a pretty um, you know, diverse uh, school system you happened to be in? Yeah, I, I think um, growing up in, in my elementary and high school years, it was predominantly um, folks of Chinese backgrounds at school. And I think when I went to undergrad at Western, that was sort of the, uh, that was sort of an, an experience where the community was, was broader uh, in terms of many different folks from many different backgrounds. Do you recall... Um, growing up, you know, you've just been so grounded always. And, and I met you as a teenager, which is just not, you know, it just it was so remarkable about you, your groundedness. And do you recall moments of just questioning and wondering and struggle? Or do you feel like you really had this sense of purpose um, and things really flowed? I'm just wondering if you had any big bumps in the road as a youth. I definitely think there were a number of inflection points throughout my childhood, throughout my undergraduate years, and even throughout my early career as a young professional. But there was always a common thread around what I wanted to do in the future, who I wanted to be, um, what did I sort of want to be as my core value proposition, if you will. And I think that despite being grounded in that, that common thread about what exactly I want to do. I was always open to, to trying different experiences, maybe taking some detours here and there. And I think that's what led me to, to have those different turning points. And so for me, like we're thinking back about the last 23 years of my life uh, and all those different journeys that I've been on, um, it, all, it all comes back to to sort of point zero, if you will. But having those different experiences, 
being able to learn different things about myself through those journeys and always having some sort of common thread to come back to was just super helpful in keeping me inspired about where I want to go and understanding of how the combination of these experiences sort of push the envelope a little bit more. Um, so as one, one example, even, I, I think through undergrad, um, being able to participate in these different extracurricular activities, being able to be a part of different academic programs, all of those things taught me a little bit more about myself and who I want to be. And I think what was really important to me was just at the end of it all, finding a way to connect it back and sort of how does it uh, sort of tell this story of Brennan, if you will. Um, so yeah, I, I think like, there was that line that kept me grounded. And I think it's something that continues to keep me grounded today. But I'd also encourage young people like myself to, to not be afraid to explore those different experiences and maybe take a little bit of detours. And even if that maybe delays um, something in your mind, just having those different experiences is super helpful in the long run. Nice. Nice. You know, the, this whole show, the Say It Skillfully, you know, is fundamentally grounded in people, you know, feeling comfortable with themselves, right? And um, having a sense of what moves them in their own true north. When you think about it, if I ask you, you know, what are, what are some of your strengths? What would you say your genius areas are, Brennan? One of the strengths that I've been able to, to develop and, and continue to develop uh, through school, through work, has just been an, a way of, of bringing people together and rallying them around a particular, uh, around a particular cause. And that's not to say that it was always a strength. I remember when I was pretty young and, and, and participating in these public speaking competitions, and I was so nervous about speaking uh, uh, my story about topics, and it was just... Um, not always something that I felt super comfortable with in terms of engaging and rallying people around the cause. But I think over time, as I had these different experiences, starting an organization, um, being involved in the different extracurriculars at school, I realized fundamentally I was just super excited about bringing people together. Uh, and with that, that sort of presented an opportunity to continue building the strength of how do I rally people around a cause? How do I empathize with what people are interested in and build consensus? And so over time, like coming from that, that sort of young Brennan where I was pretty nervous about it all and to now where I feel very comfortable about um, engaging, uh, engaging different people on tough issues and trying to build that consensus. I would say reflecting on it, that that's probably a strength of mine. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, I'm a big smile and echoing it because I have absolutely seen it in action. Can you talk a little bit? Because it was pretty, I was pretty blown away by some of the international young people forums that you were a part of as a result of, you know, being a real social um, citizen sector, you know, move the needle person. And, uh, you know, I, there's so many of them, but I just think for listeners, it might be interesting for you to, for, you, for them to hear some of the places you went and, and just, you know, what was it like to just bump shoulders with people literally from all nationalities around the globe? Yeah, 
I'll actually talk about the experience where where I met you uh, and, and when we were introduced. And that was back in 2016, uh, being part of the Global Team Leaders Program um, from the We Are Family Foundation. And honestly, Molly, it, it was just so inspiring to be part of a network of incredible young people who are doing just amazing things. Uh, and I think for me, it was always about how can I be part of opportunities where I get a chance to learn and continue to grow and develop and shape the trajectory I want to be on? Um, and it goes back to what, uh, what I was um, sharing a little bit earlier about having this sort of common grounding in terms of what I want to do, but being okay with pursuing different opportunities and experiences and really being in the moment in those experiences to learn and grow and develop. And yeah, like, I think those types of experiences were just incredible being able to not just be among peers uh, who were more local to me in North America, but even meeting people from all the way from New Zealand and being able to have these candid conversations about what impact meant to them, how they were driving towards impact in their own way. And I think all of those different moments have, have honestly contributed to, to who I am now. Uh, I think just having that diversity of experience was really important to me. I was very fortunate to be able to partake in a lot of these uh, different experiences when I was younger. Yeah, I loved how you really put it out there and just went for it. Because I just I remember in the sh- in the early days, just a few things happened, and you're like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Europe next." I'm like, "What are you doing?" So yeah, it was really it's really spectacular. And you know, one of the things that is very obvious to me, and I want to point out for listeners, is your just quest to learn and to push it and to be open um, and, and non-judging, which is a very hard thing, I think, because I remember feeling very judged, right? And I you know, did not grow up with the benefit with as much of a, an Asian community as you did. And I think a lot less secure, right? I just felt my place um, on the planet. Um, and, and when you think about uh, mentors, you've used mentors. I mean, just some advice you might have for for people who are young people, just how how they might reach out, build their network, lean into it. You know, I know people in professional life even have questions about this, but for people of your generation, any thoughts you might offer them um, and parents listening to pass on to your kids about how they can, you know, make the most of all the people around them that are are really a a wonderful wealth of of knowledge and and of inspiration. Mm -hmm. Molly, I'd actually love to address something at, at sort of the front of your question around um, sort of all these experiences coming together. And I think um, one learning that I had um, sort of on this journey over the last few years has been, how can I sort of adopt a more iterative approach or test and learn approach to what I do? Uh, and I think to me, like that was sort of an opportunity about how can I take risks, try new things, innovate, and be okay with, with maybe failing or, or not doing as well as I hoped? And how do all those different experiences come back and improve on the model, if you will? Uh, and so just being able to take that more iterative mindset to what I do now has been extremely helpful in terms of um, running my nonprofit and finding ways to update our mission to be more reflective of the young people that we were supporting and engaging um, to even in my career now about how can I learn from my peers around me and continue to grow and develop 
But all of that comes down to being willing to take that risk, try different things, see how it goes, and, and sort of come back and, and update. Um, so just to your point about um, sort of this learning and development piece that I, that I wanted to share. Um, sorry, go ahead, Molly. I was going to say that's fabulous. And this, you know, to have the confidence and there's a self-assuredness built in there that says, you know, let me, let me iterate iterate a bit and um, you know if, if i blow it if it doesn't come out it's perfect i'm okay with that that's yeah. that's big brennan you know i mean that and it was that something you saw other people in that you know how did you give yourself permission to do it you know intellectually one can lots of times i hear people say well i know i should do it but they can't get themselves to go there yeah and i, I think the biggest challenge molly is is always inertia in the sense that we tell ourselves uh, to your point intellectually yeah, I should probably do this. And then in the moment, it's just so difficult. And I can honestly relate, like, I think um, early on, on my sort of learning and development, I always found it really difficult to put myself out there and to just try and test things. I, I think the couple of things that come to mind in terms of how we can encourage young people to take on this mindset and be okay with taking risks, learning, iterating, uh, I think one part of it is, is role modeling. Uh, and as uh, folks like yourself who have sort of been in industry and have learned a ton, um, I take a lot of inspiration from you as, as my mentor in terms of being able to see how you've sort of grown and developed in your journey and how can I take some of those lessons and start practicing more of that iteration in my own life. Uh, so I think role modeling is one thing that's super important. But another thing that I think is really important is around this concept of sponsorship. And I think about it a little bit differently than mentorship, where I see mentorship as providing guidance, providing advice, um, sort of giving input to a already predetermined question. Where I see sponsorship is actively creating opportunities um, for your mentees or, or for folks that you're supporting. And the reason why I talk about sponsorship as being so important in this in this uh, adoption of an iterative mindset is because there needs to be this creation of a sandbox, if you will, uh, just in, just a space for, for young people to try different things, fail potentially, and, and learn and grow. And I think if we position ourselves in terms of maybe we're existing mentors for young people, if we take on this role of sponsorship and start actively creating opportunities for young people to try I think that's sort of the perfect breeding ground for an adoption of this mindset to test it and for young people to get more comfortable with it. So as they continue to grow, jump into their careers as young professionals, continue to move through their, their careers and their lives, um, it just becomes a lot more second nature. So I, I think the combination of sort of this show and tell through role modeling, but also taking on the, the task of creating opportunities and actively encouraging young people to take on these opportunities and try things out in a low-risk environment is super important. I love it. This is the kind of thing that I think is great, um, you know, ideas for folks to, you know, I think a lot of folks think about the younger generations. I hear, you know, a fair amount of a bit of size you know, oh, about this 
you know, whatever X younger generation. And I, and I, I personally find young people like a rays of hope for me, you know, we're leaving, handing over this like kind of messed up planet in a lot of ways. And folks like you are just like, you know, game on, we're going to fix it. So, you know, I, I, I hope folks are thinking about this idea of sponsorship. If you're in a position where you can be creating opportunities to go for it and to think about these as such mutually, um, giving opportunities, meaning, you know, whenever you're working with a young person, gosh, you just learn 10 times more. I mean, let's just really be clear here, right? So uh, maybe I've, I've helped with a little bit of advice for you, but I certainly feel like I've gotten exponentially more. Uh, and, I, and I like this notion of the sandbox um, for people to think about. I, I will add um, the word sponsorship was one thing that I had learned early on too. And, and a way to think about that is when you have people who are thinking about you when you are not in the room, when you are not in the room and to um, have the kind of um, trust and connection, but also the understanding. And that's on the individual for people who are of influence for you so that they know what you're interested in and they know what you might want to do and they have a sense of, um, of the spaces you might want to play in. And I think uh, that's a real opportunity for any young person to start to, to pipe up with, whether you're in, in at work, for example, and it may not be a different job or it may not be a promotion, but maybe it's just um, an assignment to work on X, Y, or Z. And so I just want to, you know, offer folks that that's a two-sided thing. You don't just wait around to be sponsored, right? You have to yeah, no, really absolutely. Through those connections. Yeah, and I think I think Molly, it's it's also something that develops over time. Um, I I think about the mentors that I've engaged with versus the sponsors that I've I've had the pleasure of working with, and I find that sponsorship. It, it does require that investment on both ends and it is mutual in terms of the benefits. Uh, but ultimately it's something that develops over a longer period of time. And so I think at, le- at least for young people, um, my age and, and thinking about who might be those sponsors in your network, it, it is something that, that does require a little bit of investment. It does require some more time to, to sort of build that relationship make it apparent what your priorities are, what your interests are, uh, and how your sponsor can help. Uh, but I think over time, it, it really is super beneficial. And I think about um, all the things that sponsors in my life have, have created for me in terms of opportunities to explore and grow. Um, I just think it's, it's a super powerful relationship to, to build um, as a young person. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Let's just transition to... Um, in your work environments, I know you've had some internships and in your, your, your first job out of, out of uh, university, sh- share some of the differences, if you're, what you're noticing about the generational differences. Um, I am curious, you know, because you are a very, you're, um, very reflective. Um, you, you see, I think, the bigger picture. So I am just kind of curious some of the observations you have about the workplace uh, differences across generations in terms of maybe their motivations or how they communicate or how they collaborate? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, Molly, has, has sort of been this um, generational shift to thinking about purpose. Um, and that's not to say that, that folks older than me haven't been thinking about purpose, but I think we think about purpose differently. Um, 
and, and I'll at least comment in terms of how I think about purpose and, and how I think some of my peers have thought about purpose at work as well. Um, I think when I first sort of started working in these internships in my current job now, and I think in some ways the pandemic has accelerated this, um, but I now try to reflect um, every week or two weeks or so about how are all these different experiences that I'm getting at work um, contributing not just to my own uh, personal goals for my career, but also more broadly, how is it impacting the world? Um, or how am I influencing the world in some way, whether it's solving a pressing problem or contributing to a, an initiative that can grow and scale and impact, uh, positively impact uh, people, people around us. Um, I think that to me has been at least a change that I've noticed uh, in terms of how we think more broadly about our careers in the context of not just ourselves, but also the planet as well. Yes, yes, and yes, we love that about this generation. And, you know, we've had some conversations, you know, I think I'll quote the ESG. This, there's, a, I think, a lot of um, interest in it. I'm not sure how much of the interest is translating into these, whether it's triple bottom line or however um, folks are thinking about it. I know you have, you know, thought about this a lot and, and considering it. So just, you know, from your perspective, you know, What's what's most appealing to you in this space? Um, what are the things are you most curious about um, that that kind of help people to think about taking on the problems that really support yes the profit but also you know our human species and the planet? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I go back to this. Um, trajectory I was talking about a little bit earlier in terms of how I saw social impact as a big part of what I, of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Uh, and so uh, being able to find social impact in my current work where um, recently was on a pro bono study supporting a social sector organization to now being more involved in some of the sustainability work that we do at our firm. Uh, it's just so exciting to be able to see how this worldview is shifting in a way where sustainability is seeing is being seen both as a necessity in terms of preventing any more acceleration in terms of climate change, but also an opportunity for companies to think a little bit differently. Uh, and so just being able to be a part of that shift in, in mindset and, and being able to learn um, what sustainability means for, for some of the, the companies that we work with. But even translating it back to my initial interests around social impact, um, just on a very personal level, being able to find a connection between my excitement about doing something great for the world and the work that I do um, is honestly just very, very exciting. And I, I honestly, like, really, really... Um, really, really excited to see where topics like ESG and sustainability might go in the future. Yeah, it's, it's, I've been uh, working with a friend who's been thinking about a business and, and we were just, we were racing about it. We thought, you know, to the extent that, you know, creativity does need constraints. If you can think about 
how do you serve the different populations, um, a multi-stakeholder, a much more systemic view? Sure, they're, they're potentially, it's a complex fabric, but if you can architect these kinds of solutions, you know, the, the opportunity to really create the rising tide that lifts many is there. And uh, I, I know without a doubt that people like you, young people like you pushing the envelope, that we can start to put that in action. Because I think there's a lot of heart there, Brennan. I'm just not sure many as many people have seen it in motion. And I think the more that we start to see it on the ground, um, it'll really you know ignite a, a new wave of how people think um, of capitalism. Um, I don't segue a bit to what's going on you know, south of, of uh, your border in our country with the Asian American violence and, and some of the things that you read about. And I, I just am wondering personally, how have you felt about it? I don't know how your parents uh, felt about it, if you've talked about it much. Yeah, um, it's definitely something that, that my family and I have had an opportunity to reflect on. And, and to be honest, yeah, it's, it's challenging. Um, and I think it's given us pause, not just my family, but I think as a society about what's going on in the world and what can we do to change it. Um, and so I think a part of me was was angry that these situations were coming to light. And I think that at the very core of it, that these situations were even happening in the first place. Um, but I also think it gave me a little bit of optimism that these conversations were starting uh, and that there was more discussion about what could we do differently. Um, so I think my view sort of reflecting on it even right now is more balanced in terms of, yes, like this is a problem that needs to be solved. But I think I, I feel quite positive that these conversations that are starting will help create the, the foundations for some, some really, really meaningful solutions um, to hopefully prevent uh, events like these happening again, but also address the broader inequities as well. Yeah, it, it, obviously it's a big topic. Um, I am curious in your situation where this, the runway is just all up and to the right, when you think about um, you know, your, at least your early experience you know, in, uh, and I'll say bigger organizations, when you think about what, what might be needed for Asians, for, for any of the um, minority kinds of groups to reach to the top parts um, of leadership, uh, thoughts, suggestions that, that come to your mind for how, you know, organizations um, can create a place where, you know, I think optically you, you get some of the balance that you'd like to have that, um, you know, people all feel like it's um, a level playing field. Mm. Yeah, I, I think there's many different ways in which we can continue to support uh, Asian leaders in, in work in our communities. And I think there are opportunities like role modeling and mentorship that are honestly very, very, very important in terms of empowering um agents to sort of take on these different leadership roles and feel comfortable in those leadership roles. I, I come back to something I mentioned earlier in our discussion around sponsorship and actively creating these types of opportunities for, for agents to, to start reaching these positions of leadership. Uh, and I think it's not just creating the opportunity, but it's also supporting 
um, folks throughout the journey and being able to help um, disseminate the learnings of those experiences, but also celebrate the wins. Honestly, it all comes down to sort of creating the conditions in which Asian people in these leadership roles can be truly successful. Uh, and I think it's more than just independently um, creating opportunities or, or one-off mentorship sessions. It really is an investment over a period of time. Uh, and I think it's possible. I think we're starting to see more of that now, but I'd love to, to see more of that sponsorship. Um, and I think that could be extremely helpful in terms of empowering um, young Asians like myself in terms of taking on those leadership roles in the future. I love it. I love it. And, you know, you, you have, I don't know, you, you just have seemed to know no limits truly. And, and I, and I think I just asking you, do you feel like you could do anything? I mean, do you see like, Oh no, I haven't seen this before. I, I'm just, I just, I really do. I would just wonder if you feel like, gosh, if I just really go for it, I can make it happen. Yeah. And again, like a super, super good question. And it's funny because I think I've been called by my friends a little bit of an overthinker sometimes. <laughs> so my mind's spinning at, at a million miles a minute. Um, I think through all these different experiences I've had, um, through the relationship that we've had, Molly, over the last few years, um, I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that anything is indeed possible. Uh, but I also understand that it's not as simple. And it does take a little bit of investment on my part to try and figure out what is that pathway I want to create for myself? How am I going to navigate through that? How will I seek out mentors and sponsors who could support me along the way? Um, there are many different components to it. And I honestly think in a way it's a little bit modular in the sense that there are so many different independent experiences that come together. And it's sort of on me to, to, to marry all those different experiences into one trajectory towards what I'd love to see as, as, as possible. But I think beyond that, it, what excites me is that over the last few years, like having started nonprofits um, in the career that I am, I am in now and thinking about the future, I mean, I think that everything is indeed possible. Um, and it's just about seeking out those different supports to make it happen because I know that I can't do it alone. Um, but that ultimately is like how I think about my trajectory, what I'd love to do. And, and again, like uh, that's not to say there are times where I'm, I, I second guess myself. And I think that's, that's always normal as a young person where we have limited experience and we're not exactly sure what is the right path forward. And there's so many amazing opportunities out there. Um, but yeah, I think if you put your mind to it, stick with your gut and sort of run with it and see where it goes, anything is indeed possible for sure. I love it. There's no doubt in my mind, that's for sure. So I'm glad to hear it from you. Let's segue because we are on the Say It Skillfully show here. And um, I know you have really groomed a wonderful ability, very diplomatic ability to communicate, Brennan, and you are to be commended for that. Uh, but I imagine there are some tough conversations or situations that you might have. So it'd be great to unpack one with you. Yeah. Um, 
I'm actually thinking about an experience that I had quite recently. Uh, and so in my course of work, um, speak with a lot of uh, different stakeholders, different perspectives, uh, and I find myself sometimes falling into the, into the not necessarily a trap of, of being more dip or erring more on the diplomatic side, but not always being able to communicate my thoughts super clearly and directly in a way that is respectful of the different stakeholders that I speak with. And I think I always err on maybe circling around a little bit. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm continuing to work on, continuing to improve on. Uh, I'm smiling because it's, um, I think that a lot of folks um, would love the idea of being very forthright and very clear and very direct and respectful. And then if any one of those, particularly the latter is at risk, then people tend to hold back a little bit if that's what I'm hearing. Um, and I, and it's very normal. So first I want to normalize that and I appreciate you bringing it up because, um, and, and, you know, we've talked about this. I think sometimes a women may think, uh, or Asians may think that they are, um, supposed to, or, or historically, there's a little bit of a, you know, a, a history of maybe not speaking up. And so it, it can, you're, you're, you're working with what other people perceive too. Um, and I think that when folks are, uh, making change and finding their voice, it's not just about the individuals, about kind of what others might be expecting too. And I think that's when you get to this reading the room and, you know, what are they expecting? For instance, you've heard lots of times, you know, a, a man may be able to say something a certain way, a woman says it the same way, and, you know, he's he's confident and she's kind of a witch, you know, and, and these are just very real experiences um, and that, that people have. And it's not a good or bad or right or wrong. It's just important to to be aware of them. So, you know, I, I know you well enough to know that you're, you're, I don't think it's possible for you to come across disrespectful, but I, I suppose maybe at one point you were, I've certainly not seen that. Um, so I guess what I would say in, in terms of feeling like you're holding firm and being forthright is, is thinking about this at the three levels of, you know, what's going on for you, right? What am I worried about? I'm worried about this person's been at the, the, you know, has been at this company for 30 years. And, you know, how could I possibly disagree with someone who's been in it so long? And so just understanding where one is at and that if we have fears or insecurities, those are real. Don't make yourself bad or wrong for them, but just think about like, what am I really afraid of here? Right. And is it like, is it an ego issue that I have? Is it that I might be wrong? And getting in good relationship with it so that you're grounded in yourself is the first step, right? And then if you think about the folks around you, and I think, you know, I've had a number of younger folks doing career on the phone. They're like, look, I want to contribute, but I certainly don't want to come across like I know it all. And so when I, I would say that transparency is your friend in the sense of, uh, here I am, I, I'm, I'm new to the client and it's just been my first week. So I absolutely do not want to come across as if I, you know, have a full understanding of the scenario, right? So you just, whatever you're afraid of, I'd like to offer this and in service to the whole, right? That given that this is what I understand the organization wants, here's why I'm saying this and here's how I think it serves it. And I think a lot of people backtrack. I hear them a little bit, you know, they're hedgy. There are a lot of ums or ahs. And this is the deal. You don't have to be right all the time. You can share what you're thinking in a subject, verb, subject, or a very forthright way. 
I may be wrong about this. Please let me know if I am. From what I'm seeing, this is, here are my thoughts, and I offer it to the group. Boom. Mm-hmm. So let me just pause there. You know, I, it wasn't as concise as I would like to be. How is that landing for you? No, I, I absolutely love that, Molly. I think what really resonates with me is that sort of initial transparency about setting the context, making sure we're all on the same page. Because, yeah, I, I think there's always going to be times where we're speaking with folks who may not necessarily have the same context as us or are coming in with a, a very different perspective. And I think grounding, grounding ourselves in the discussion on, on sort of the same or, or getting to that same wavelength is super helpful in then setting up the, the conditions for a more candid conversation, which can help in terms of being more direct uh, and more forthright uh, while also balancing being respectful as well. So I absolutely yeah. love that recommendation. That's awesome. I want to offer for you and for the other young folks out there, the you know youthful exuberance, the optimism, the can-do, like we need that in spades. And Brandon, I know this is just you. You're always like, let's just make it happen. And that um, is so refreshing. So the how you show up to a situation, right? Being intentional about that energy that you bring um, is just, we can't pay for that, right? And lots of times folks who've been in an organization a long time, it's hard to see it differently. We're sick of seeing the same problem over and over. So please know that coming in with that breath of fresh air, with a fresh set of eyes, you know, even if you see it and it's not quite perfect, that's okay because you're creating an opportunity to think about it, see it differently. And I just don't want anyone to to undersell themselves on that because that's a real that's a real great value add to to any organization. Um, okay, we're if you go on and on. I'm so grateful for our time. Uh, as a few uh, reflections as we wrap, do you have you know at your just completely youthful age here? Do you have anything you would uh, you say you'd regret or do over in a big way, assuming that everything is where you still are. Any any big things that you uh, might do differently than you did? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Uh, yeah, like I, I think one thing that I would think about, uh, not necessarily as a regret, but I think something that I would challenge myself to do more um, looking back over the last few years is, is sort of um, really pushing this concept of inertia to the side um, and really pushing for what I believe in and what I think to be right and just testing it out and, and iterating. Uh, and I think I was able to do some of that with the support of mentors and sponsors like yourself. Uh, but being able to, again, um, push away this, this image that there might be some barrier or might be a risk and just testing it out, making an educated guess, seeing how it goes. And if it doesn't work, coming back to the whiteboard and, and drawing it out again, uh, I think is something that I'd love to uh, maybe do over in a way, but definitely push myself to do more of um, as I continue in my career. That's great. Well, they, there's so much upside for you. So that's a great learning to date. Um, and I, last, I just ask you, you know, what was it like for you to share your journey with us today? Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I, uh, 
definitely uh, starting out in my career, um, it's always great when you're able to find time to, to reflect and just think about your past, but also reflect on what's sort of in um, what's coming in the future. And I think this discussion was incredible. Just having that opportunity to speak with you about some of the things that I've learned and through this conversation, push myself to think more about what I'd love to, um, to adopt more of in terms of my, my career in the future. And I think that that say it skillfully piece, just again, this, this learning around how do we create transparency in the room? How do we set up the, the foundation for candid conversations? Um, it's definitely something I will take away. So all in all, Molly, you, you know, you're, you're always super helpful. And I think this conversation was just extremely helpful and, and very fortunate to be a part of it. Well, I am the blessed one, my friend. I um, am always cheering for you. The biggest smile on my face whenever I think of you. You are an inspiration with what you've done already. And I know like even far amazing greater is ahead for you. So you know I am cheering for you. Um, I'm always here to support you. You, you We're going to stay in touch. Uh, So for now, I'll just thank you for for taking time out of your very busy schedule, um, spending time with us, and uh, and always being part of the solution, Brennan. You take good care. Thank you so much. You too. There is nothing that warms my heart more than conversations like this. What a gift. Okay, my thought for the week. That's where the future lies in the youth of today. And that's from Baseball Hall of Famer Willie Stargell. And that is a wrap. I thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Brendan's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.